Hi everyone, it's Shona Gates from Sexy Selfish, the empowerment podcast. So we have a bit of a different topic today for you guys. It doesn't have so much to do with women's empowerment or success strategizing or business, but it does have a lot to do with compassion and priorities. So today I'm going to be chatting to you guys about our journey, um, you know, being the family with an autistic child. So it's really about the gift of autism. Um, We've been on this autism journey, I guess, since Eric was born, to be honest, so six years, but really actively and aware of it for the last four years. And it has been a hell of a journey. We have had some incredibly high moments, some wonderful, soul-expanding, heart-lifting good days. And we've had some really, really really dark, bad days as well. Today, I want to share some of those days with you and I want to share how important mindset and flexibility has been along this journey and how we're able to come, you know, we're working through this journey and it's going to be a journey we're on the rest of our lives with Eric, but how it has softened us, how it's made us more compassionate, how it's helped us change our priorities and how I truly do see it as a gift And yes, some days it is definitely a challenge, but most days it is a gift. It's it's created better humans out of all of us. And it's not something I talk about often, to be honest, because it's not really something I feel like I need to share about. But there has been times over the last few years, whether it's been in my blog or a Facebook status or today when I'm called to plug in my microphone, but it's popped up every now and again that I feel like this is something I really want to share with people. And hopefully there's, you know, a mom or a dad or a family out there in a similar situation that can gain a little bit of priority or gain a little bit of insight with it. So let me first start by saying that Autism is so different for every single person. There's no such thing as, you know, like a cookie cutter version of autism. And it's called the autism spectrum disorder these days because it is such a huge spectrum. It's a huge umbrella of symptoms and it encompasses so many different aspects. And as children grow, as they become adults, those aspects can change as well. There's still so much research being done and, you know, we're just surrounded by the most passionate, positive, um, really advocates for awareness in this disability because it is an invisible disability. It's not something that you can see straight away. It takes a very keen eye. It takes someone with experience with the disability to be able to recognize it and that can make life really, really hard for people that suffer with autism spectrum disorder, sensory pro- like sensory processing problems because they're meant to act and behave like a neurotypical human and they just don't. And that's okay, but it's just about having a bit more compassion, I think, in the wider world. So hopefully that podcast can, well, this podcast today can make people a little bit more compassionate. So Eric um, was an incredible child. He was really just a total character and I think we were great parents in the aspect that we didn't realize his speech was delayed because we communicated with him so well just by knowing who he was and what he needed and the way that he moved and behaved we could interpret that and 
you know, we could give him food, we could give him water, we could play with him, give him attention, simply but just by the way he was. We were able to pick up on such subtle cues. But it was around two, two and a half that we noticed his speech was definitely delayed. Um, and I beat myself up quite a lot about that, to be honest, because I felt like I should have picked it up sooner. Um, but in hindsight, how could I? You only know what you know. And you can't possibly know what the future holds or you can't know what you don't know. I didn't know. This is my first time being a parent. He was an awesome little dude and I thought he was just totally rad. I didn't know that they should be talking and doing certain things in, in different ways. And we were very much free-range parents, so not strictly um, by the parenting book or tracking every tooth that came and everything like that. But he was a rad little human and I loved him so much that when my friends pointed out that he probably should have been speaking at least two words by then, I was like, okay, no worries. Let's look into some speech therapy. Um, along the journey with the speech therapist, some other st problems started presenting around two years old. Um, it got really hard to take him out in public. He would have full-blown meltdowns. He was so physically strong. It was crazy. Like I was like 30 weeks pregnant and without him realizing if he didn't want to do something, there was just no way you could physically get him to do something at all. Haircuts were incredible nightmare. Um, he has like, if you guys have known me on social media, you know how thick my hair is and I actually have an undercut. So half of my head is shaved underneath just so I don't get headaches. Like on the daily, my hair is so thick and heavy. Eric has the same hair. His dad and I both have super thick hair. Eric has the same head of hair. He was literally, he came out of me with a full head of hair <laughs> and he needs haircuts like every three weeks at least. Haircuts was a sensory nightmare for him and we didn't understand why. We just thought, you know, he hates haircuts. He's being so difficult. It would take four adults restraining him in a bathtub with a shaver and it was the most traumatic experience for us and for him. And it was just started, things like that started popping up and we went, wait a minute, something's really not right here. I was 38 weeks pregnant, um, about to give birth, obviously. And we went, took Eric to a pediatrician who is the most incredible pediatrician and the most gentle human, I think, ever. I'm going to tear up here. It was such a, a heartbreaking moment and he handled it with such grace. You know, I'm there 38 weeks pregnant Eric's playing with a train on the floor in the doctor's office and the pediatrician drops the A-bomb. He knows that Eric has autism and he's like, we need to get a formal diagnosis. And I just felt like in that moment, my world fell apart. It was really shocking. And I had to go to a postnatal appointment straight after. And I honestly don't even remember the appointment. I don't remember anything. My mum was at the appointment with us. So she actually took Eric home with her and we were going to go back to their place and have some dinner and so she took Eric home she did the panic thing and she got on Google straight away her and my dad got on Google straight away and they're like is there a cure what can we do what causes it the one thing the pediatrician said to us really early on was like don't ever Google it don't Google autism don't look and look into it just focus on Eric don't focus on anything else. And I think that was our saving grace. And I'll be forever thankful to our pediatrician for those words. I was in total shock and I just had so much guilt come up. Oh my God, it was me. It's something I've done. I didn't breastfeed him long enough. I should have breast him for 12 months, not nine months. Um, 
you know, what did I do? I didn't socialize him enough. I haven't spoken to him enough. I like being quiet in the house and I should have had lots of noise. And, you know, I put all the blame on me. I'm like, oh my God, it was that two sips of champagne at Christmas when I was pregnant. It was me. And Aaron just bundled me into the car, heavily hormonal and emotional pregnant woman. And I just cried the whole way back to my parents' house. And he just took me by the shoulders and said, Shona, this is not your fault. And we are going to get through this. Anything for our little boy. So two days later, I gave birth to Holly. And I really wasn't allowed. I did not give myself time to wallow in it, to blame myself. I had a newborn baby. I had a little boy and I had to get my shit together. So I took the list that the pediatrician gave us and I just did everything the pediatrician told us. I did not Google, but I got in touch with every single possible speech pathologist, every OT. I was got onto the NDIS scheme straight away and I put in our application. We got Eric um, diagnosed, even though we had absolutely no money to do it. We borrowed money off a family member to pay them back. We got Eric formally diagnosed. We paid for that privately. It was nearly $2,000. And I think that swift movement, that, okay, I'm going to grieve for like two days and then this baby arrives and now I, or the only choice I've got is action. The thing with that grief, that two days of grief, it wasn't so much blaming myself. It was looking at, you know, when you're a parent, you envision this is what my journey of parenting is going to be like and this is how I'm going to interact with my children. These are things we're going to do and these are the sports he's going to be interested in and this is how he's going to be so social and fun at school. And you, ha- you kind of have this image laid out in front of you of how you think your parenting journey is going to be. And then someone tells you your child has an incurable disability and that entire vision goes up in smoke. It's gone And you really have no idea what the future looks like. You don't even know what next week looks like, what tomorrow looks like. When he wakes up in the morning, what type of day is it going to be? That was one of the biggest challenges for me. For someone that has high-functioning anxiety myself, and I like to know exactly what's happening in the next year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, plan it out, plan it out, map it out, do it. To completely surrender to what will be will be, that was what I was grieving I love my child. There was no resentment. There was no guilt for him. It was me grieving that parenting journey that I thought I would have and coming to terms with the fact that, you know, we'll be lucky if he learns to read. We'll be lucky if he goes into a normal school instead of a special class. We'll be lucky if he learns how to make friends. We'll be lucky if he's able to work when he gets older or study or pursue a career that he loves. There are so many unknowns with autism and so many different versions of it unique to each person. It's really hard to know what's next. So I had a newborn baby, my son and my husband, and we just got to work. How can we help Eric? As soon as we can help Eric, we need to make the biggest difference. It's about early intervention. He's two and a half. We've got two and a half years before he starts school. What can we do? And we did everything. We took him to everything. I went to every single parenting course I could possibly go to. I did. St- I still stayed off Google, but I found resources through our local state, through communities, through um, the child and family youth health 
whatever course I could get involved with, whatever support group I could go to, I went to. And I'm so grateful for the flexibility of that. As a stay-at-home mom, you know, I was running my own business. If I'd been working full-time, there's no way I would have been able to dedicate that much time and energy to learning about this disability. So fast forward about six months, Eric was one of the first ever children accepted onto the National Disability Insurance Scheme in its trial phases. We were so thankful for that because it allowed us to access over $15,000 worth of funding. I believe that that was the key difference in the progress that he made in a very short amount of time was that we were in a space where we did not have to worry about finding money to pay for his therapy anymore. Um, anyone with children on the spectrum will know that therapy is incredibly expensive and the only way to make it worthwhile is to have it consistently and regularly. And that means that you could be fitting up to like $20,000 a year on therapy, which is what most people pay for a mortgage. But it's your kids and it's their future and you have to. There's no other option. So that means you go without things you need to make sure that your child has access to that therapy. So I'll be forever, forever thankful to the NDIS scheme for taking that financial burden off of our shoulders so that we're just able to focus on helping Eric. So he began intensive therapy with three incredible therapists that we still see at the moment. Um, I, I love them to death and they, they've learned to grow and love Eric as well. They've been seeing him for almost three years now or over three years now. And the progress that he has seen from early intervention has just been amazing. So when he started, there was no emotion. He didn't talk. There was no social situations, wouldn't make eye contact, hardly go out in public. And if he did, he would often shut down and hide under a chair, hide under a table, not look at people, not communicate with people. He was just pretty much like an empty shell unless he was doing something he was really passionate about, which was often just being outside on his bike. There was no interaction. There was no communication. Whereas if you saw Eric today, and this happens a lot, a lot of people don't even realize he's autistic. In fact, some of the mums, um, who Eric's friends with at school, they often comment, oh, I didn't even know Eric was autistic and he's been going to school now for over a year. So I think that's really special. Um, and obviously, you know, it's so different for each each child. I don't want to paint a false picture of, you know, how much of a difference therapy can make, but for us it's been completely priceless. He talks now. He was able to go into a completely normal class at school He's still a little bit delayed with his learning, but he has support and structure and socially, oh my God, he's friends with like everyone in his school. In his school, there's 120 kids. There's about 20 children in his class and he knows everyone. He knows absolutely everyone. He plays with everyone. You know, he he asks to join cricket practice. He asks to do football. He asks to do CrossFit. He asks to do little athletics and just to watch him thrive in those social environments yeah that just means the world to me so now he is doing really well obviously we're still in attending it's extensive therapy and intensive therapy but I truly believe that mindset and flexibility in this journey has been the biggest difference for us really Aaron and I recognizing early on that us blaming ourselves, us beating ourselves up or playing the poor me victim card was not going to have any benefit to Eric in the long run at all. We could either let him be ruled by this and defined by this and let this become 
our family's story of, oh, we're an autism family, oh, we're an autism family, poor me, poor me, look at me. We could either let that become our story or we could decide to give him the best possible shot at a fucking amazing life. So that's what we decided to do. We went into every appointment, into every meeting with a sense of gratitude. We are so grateful he's here. We are so grateful it's not cancer. You know, we are so grateful that of early intervention. We are so grateful for NDIS. We are so grateful for therapy. We are so grateful for understanding and support. And just going with that attitude instead of my life's so hard and I deserve support and complain, complain, complain. That's why it's felt like such a gift to us. And in terms of flexibility, you know, you do have to be flexible. And it's, I think once we finally got rid of that parenting journey, got rid of expectations of Eric, like we expect him to want and do and behave in certain ways and just realize that's not who he is and it's never going to be who he is. We can try and guide him and help him understand social structures. But if we go somewhere and Eric's not coping, it's us having the flexibility to go, okay, let's go home. If we, you know, go to the movies and Eric's not enjoying it and he's freaking out, having the flexibility to just pack up and leave without going, I paid for this, I want to watch this, we're going to stay. It's having flexibility with him. And slowly introducing him to new concepts, to the fact now he, now he will go to a movie, now he'll go to a new social situation. And often I find I have to think about things a lot more than he does. Like the, when he first started out doing Oz Kick, I got there and I'm like, oh my God, he's not going to want to listen to the instructors. He's not going to want to play. He's not going to want to talk to the kids. This is going to be awful. And he just got there. We got out the car and he ran straight onto the oval, picked up a footy and went up to a kid and said, hi, I'm Eric. Do you want to kick the football? And I'm just sitting there like in tears, like a complete emotional mess. Like, who is this kid and where did he come from? And that's me being flexible now is realizing he's capable of a lot more than I realize and also teaching him to ask for support when he does need it. So we've had so many good days, so many incredible moments where I just look at him and I'm like, you are the raddest little human ever. Like he is totally my homeboy and I adore him beyond words. He has the biggest heart ever but you know we still have dark days we have dark days when my mindset's not in the right place when I am not as flexible as I need to be when I am not as in tune with him when I am distracted we have bad days it is not on him it is on me trying to force our parenting journey into that you know that parenting journey that I expected I'm trying to force him to act and behave a certain way that's when we have the bad days. It's not on him. It's on me. When his behavior isn't what I expect and that triggers me, it triggers me to think I'm not a good parent. He feeds off that energy. He's so empathetic now. He does really understand when I'm feeling tense, he reacts off that. So the bad days are not his fault. The bad days are my bad days, which he just reacts in a magnified way. Some of our bad days, for those of you that don't have you know, kids with disabilities, you're probably never going to experience something like this, probably to the intensity. But, you know, bad days have ended with Eric kicking the wall in his bedroom for four hours straight. Bad days, he's, you know, hurt people. He's hurt his sister without intending to and being incredibly apologetic for it after. But in, 
in a meltdown state where he can't cope with his senses, he has all this pent up energy, he will lash out. Um, bad days, you know, uh, we've been in the shopping center and he, he hasn't quite understood that, you know, we're not buying something for you today and we need to, we need to leave and getting to the checkout and him realizing that he's not getting anything. And he's punched me so hard and I can't even hate him for it. I can't even get upset. I can't get angry at him, even though I'm covered in bruises because I know that's his level of understanding and I should not have pushed him. I should not have pushed him farther than I know he can go. And while it's never okay to harm another person, I can't be angry at him for that. And I can't try to, in a public setting, work through that with him. And we did. We went straight to his therapist's office and we wrote up a plan and he's now a lot more comfortable and he's got some coping strategies for that type of similar situation. But anyone that's ever been, you know, physically abused before by a partner, by someone else, you can know the lasting trauma that it has. And when that happens from your child, when your child has physically abused you and they have this superhuman strength, the autistic kids, and they often don't understand how strong they are, how much they weigh, how physical their body is. They struggle with that spatial awareness. Eric thinks he's just trying to get my attention and, you know, I'll check my body later that night and I'll have these gigantic bruises. It can be really scary sometimes and you've got to deal with that trauma of the physical abuse you know, as an adult, but when you're dealing with that, when it's your child that caused it, it's really difficult. So we've had some amazing days. We still have some bad days. I would say maybe five bad days a year now. So that's a lot better than it used to be. And I know that's so different. If you're listening to this right now and you're like, oh my God, we have five bad days a week. You know, please don't feel like I'm trying to shame you or judge you or anything like that because all of our journeys are just so different. But something we've been really passionate about is celebrating all the small victories along the way. Every time we go and do food shopping and we come out to the car without having major issues, Aaron and I, my husband, I would like high five. Every time he starts a new activity or he does something you know, in a situation, I could sports day the other day. He's been two sports days now he's done. The first year, everyone does like a welcoming dance. He's the only person in the entire school that just stood there, like completely stiff as a board, just stood there and did nothing. And this year he did the dance and he knew all the moves and he had so much fun doing like, I think it's flossing, it's cold and doing lunges and squats. He loved it. Aaron and I high five. Every time we see him make a new friend or he comes home from school and he's gone up a reading level, we celebrate like he just won a Golden Globe. We celebrate every small victory and we try to focus less on the what he hasn't achieved yet. We, Of course, you've got to set goals for the future, but I think if you stay in that space of what haven't we done yet, what haven't we done yet, what do we still need to do? It can cause so much anxiety around it and I want to enjoy this parenting journey and I want him to enjoy this part of his life rather than just think I'm behind, I'm behind, I'm behind. So we just try to focus on the wins, focus on the wins, have a positive mindset and be flexible in this journey and really get rid of your expectations, get rid of your self-judgment and get rid of the guilt. Yes, I could probably be doing a lot more flashcard work. Yes, I could probably be giving him more stimulating activities. Yes, I could probably get up at 5am and take him for a run to help with his sensory needs. Am I going to do it? No, because I'm human and I have a life to live as well. 
Am I going to make sure that my son knows he is loved beyond measure unconditionally every single day? Yes. Autism is a gift. It is a challenge, but it is a gift. Because getting rid of those expectations out of our life has forced Aaron and I to really think about what's important. What is really important at the end of the day? Is it really important that he's reading as per the set schedule by the education department? No. Is it really important to us that he is kind to animals and to creatures and to nature? Yes. Is it really important to us that he sits still for eight hours a day? No. Is it really important to us that he is creative and social and a good human and kind to other people? Yes. It's about priorities. And it's forced us as well to soften. It's forced us to soften, become more compassionate towards other humans and towards other children as well. You know, you see a toddler throwing a tantrum in the supermarket and instead of feeling judgment on my like, oh my God, why don't you shut your kid up and get on with it? Like I probably would have, you know, pre-kids. I definitely would have had that mindset. Now it's just compassion. It's just coming from a a place of compassion and understanding and love every single day because you have no idea what these other people are going through. You just have absolutely no idea. And I think that comes from being judged so much when we're out in public with Eric sometimes um you know he flaps his arms and he bounces up and down and he jumps and he's so physical that sometimes he will just do a cartwheel in the aisle at the shopping center and you just gotta laugh as long as he doesn't hurt anyone I'm like who says we have to walk straight who says we can't cartwheel or do handstand walks down the aisles at the supermarket he's just taught us to look at the world from a different angle and it's been really really special and I'm getting a bit emotional here everyone if you understand if you think if you think about the universe and spirituality and if you believe that and believe the fact that we choose our parents when we're born we choose our parents for the individual lessons and the things that they're going to teach us that it that it matches who we are that we that our parents you know, are an option and we choose them on a spiritual level. To know that Eric chose us is really special. He's an awesome little human and we're just really grateful to be on this journey with him and has taught us so much as parents. And I feel like when we gave up that parenting journey that we expected, when I gave up those expectations, I got so much more, so much more in the last three years, four years now being on this journey. And I, yeah, just incredibly grateful. And it hurts sometimes to see people have that opposite mindset where they are stuck in a cycle of complaining, stuck in a cycle of a victim mindset. And it's like all the therapy in the world can help. But do you think the parents of that child changing their mindset, that that could have a positive impact as well? And it's, I preach self-love, women's empowerment and creating a badass business and abundance in your life. You can have that even with a child with a disability. And it's important that you do. It is vital that you still do things for you, even when you have a child with a disability. 
you still need to keep your own identity. And that's really important. Autism has been an incredible gift for us and I'm glad I could share a little bit of that today with you. I'm sure I still have so many bad dark days ahead of us and so many good incredible milestones ahead of us and you know I'm I'm not going to promise to share them all with you but as we move forward if I'm called to share some more about our autism journey or if you do have any questions feel free to email me shona at sexyselfish.com um you know ours is our own unique journey but if it's helped you in any way at all or if it's resonated with you please reach out I would love to hear your story to all the other autism mamas out there autism daddies out there or anyone just in that situation anyone living with a disabled child and you you know a disabled child disabled family member that you know the daily struggles know that you are not alone know that there are people out there who understand there are people who are sending you love I am sending you so much love via these sound waves right now and I just want you to know that you're awesome You are a badass, rad little human, and I love you. So I hope you have an incredible rest of your day after listening to this, and I will see you on our next podcast.